Get this full audiobook for free by clicking now the link in the description. It's brought to you by The Book Guide. Did I wear a dress to the dedication ceremony last summer? I was tempted to scowl in the photos, but I knew my defiance would hurt mom more than it would tick off Grand Mary. I cut through the parking lot behind the student union toward the north end of campus. The bluff showcases a gorgeous panoramic view of the St. Mary's River, the International Bridge into Canada, and the city of Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. Nestled in the bend of the river east of town is my favorite place in the universe, Sugar Island. The rising sun hides behind a low, dark cloud at the horizon beyond the island. I halt in place, awestruck. Shafts of light fan out from the cloud as if Sugar Island is the source of the sun's rays. A cool breeze ruffles my t-shirt, giving me goosebumps in mid-August. Zizibaka mini sing, I whisper in Anishinaabe Moen the name for the island, which my father taught me when I was little. It sounds like a prayer. My father's family, the firekeeper side, is as much a part of Sugar Island as its spring-fed streams and sugar maple trees. When the cloud moves on and the sun reclaims her rays, a gust of wind propels me forward, back to my run and to the task ahead. 45 minutes later, I end my run at Evercare, a long-term care facility a few blocks from home. Today's run felt backward, peaking in the first mile and becoming progressively more difficult. I tried chasing the zone, but it was a mirage just beyond my reach. Morning, Donis. Mrs. Bonacera, the head nurse, says from behind the front desk, Mary had a good night. Your mom's already here. Still catching my breath, I give my usual good morning wave. The hallway seems to lengthen with each step. I steel myself for the possible responses to my announcement. In my imagined scenarios, a single furrowed brow conveys disappointment, annoyance, and the retracting of previous accolades. Maybe I should wait until tomorrow to announce my decision. Mrs. B didn't need to say anything. The heavy scent of roses in the hallway announces mom's presence. When I enter the private room, she's gently massaging rose-scented lotion on my grandmother's thin arms. A fresh bouquet of yellow roses adds to the floral saturation level. Grandmarie's been at Evercare for six weeks now, and, the month before that, in the hospital. She had a stroke at my high school graduation party. Visiting every morning is part of the new normal which is what I call what happens when your universe is shaken so badly you can never regain the same axis as before. But you try anyway. My grandmother's eyes connect with mine. Her left brow raises in recognition. Her right side is still unable to convey anything. Bon matin, Grand Marie. I kiss both cheeks before stepping back for her inspection. In the before, her scrutiny of my fashion choices bugged the crap out of me. But now... Her one-sided scowl at my oversized t-shirt feels like a perfect slap shot to the top shelf. See? I playfully lift my hem to reveal yellow spandex shorts. Not half naked. Halfway through her barely perceptible eye roll, Grand Marie's gaze turns vacant. It's like a light bulb behind her eyes that someone switches on and off arbitrarily. Give her a moment, Mom says, continuing to smooth lotion onto Grand Marie's arms. I nod and take in Grand Marie's room. The large picture window with a view of a nearby playground, the dry erase board with the heading, Hello, my name is Mary Fontaine, and a line for someone to fill in after my nurse. The line after my goals is blank. The vase of roses surrounded by framed photographs. 
Grand Mary and Grandpa Lorenzo on their wedding day. A duo frame with Mom and Uncle David as praying angels in white First Communion outfits. My senior picture fills a silver frame engraved with Class of 2004. The last picture taken of the four of us Fontaines, me, Mom, Uncle David, and Grand Mary, at my final hockey game brings a walnut-sized lump to my throat. I went to sleep many nights listening to Mom and her brother laughing, playing cards, and talking in the language they had invented as children a hybrid of French, Italian, abbreviated English, and made-up, nonsensical words. But that was before Uncle David died in April, and Grand Mary, grief-stricken, had an intracerebral hemorrhagic stroke two months later. My mother doesn't laugh in the new normal. She looks up. Her jade-green eyes are tired and bloodshot. Instead of sleeping last night, Mom cleaned the house in a frenzy while talking to Uncle, as if he was sitting on the sofa watching her dust and mop. She does this often. I wake up during those darkest hours when my mother confesses her loneliness and regrets to him.